Come on, give it up for Mark and Eileen. How many love Mark and Eileen? It's such an amazing testimony of God's goodness. I've, loved, I've really been enjoying these videos right before the messages on Sunday mornings, just speaking of the testimony of things that God has done. You know, when you look around to Elevate Ministries, you're gonna see people in leadership doing all kinds of things all over the place. Every single one of them has testimonies of the goodness and the grace and mercy of God in their lives, and it's so beautiful. It's such an amazing thing. Mark and I lean wherever you're at. I don't know where you're at, but we love you. And there are, they are uh, department head leaders. They lead our Connect department, and they're amazing. We love you guys so much. Amen. We want to welcome you to Elevate Ministries this morning. Who's glad to be in the house of God today? We are glad that you're here. We're glad that you're joining in with us. To everybody watching on the live stream, we love you. We're glad that you're joined in. My family, unfortunately, all three of my kids are sick today, and I mean sick today. So Enzo, Lily, Ava, I love you guys, and I can't wait to come home and to all your hugs and kisses, even though you're snotty-nosed and sick. Amen, amen. But we love, we love everyone watching on our live stream. We hope you feel welcomed here this morning. Today, you got a little paper when you came in. Today happens to be World Kindness Day. It's almost unbelievable just to think that world kindness even exists anymore. But I can tell you it does exist because it exists right here within the church. Is it, well, kindness is something that it just exudes from the church, or at least it certainly should. But today's World Kindness Day. So we want to try to spread that around as much as we can. If you're new here, you're new to Elevate Ministries, this might be your first time. Uh, but we are so glad that you're here. We're glad that you're joining in with us. We encourage you to go out to our Connect booth right outside in the foyer. Go to our Connect booth. We would love to get to know you. We would love to learn about you. We would love to get you connected here at Elevate. If, if that's something that you're into, we would love for you to be a part of what God is doing here today. Next Sunday, somebody say next Sunday. I'm excited because next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. Baptism Sunday is always a great time here at Elevate because we set up the baptismal right here in the center of the room. We fill it with water and we half drown people. Water goes everywhere. We do it right in the middle of the worship set. It's, it's great. It's awesome. It's a beautiful thing. It shows freedom, freedom in Christ. It's amazing. We've got people that are already signed up to be baptized, so we're excited about that. If you're here today and you've never been baptized, we want you to be a part of that. So if you would say, oh, I want to be baptized. I've never been baptized since I believe. We want you to be a part of that. So you can also go straight to the Connect booth. It's our central hub for all things Elevate. And you can sign up for the baptism so that you can be a part of that as well. It's going to be a great time. Amen. 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 Whew. Can we all take a deep breath together? How many have enjoyed this, uh, this sermon series so far? Hasn't this been an awesome sermon series? If, you're, if you haven't been here before, we've been in the middle of a series this month called Homeschool. Homeschool. And this series is a series that's all about the issues of the home. And last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago, Pastor Carl and Sister Bonnie were up here, and they spoke about their, their, uh, their journey with God in, in their home uh, when, they, when they began this church 36, 37 years ago, a long time ago. And uh, they told that story. It was just amazing to hear from them, such, such wisdom that came from them. And then last week, Pastor Adam, who was here last week, Pastor Adam came up here and he spoke a message about child raising. And I, you know, I've heard a lot of messages about raising children, and I really think that one was my favorite. I'm not trying to suck up to the pastor right now. I'm being totally serious. It was so much fun. We had a great time. If you missed it, you can always go back on the app and listen to it. It's awesome. Also, speaking of the app, if you want, you can go on the app right now, and you can, you can, uh, uh, you can listen to the, or check out the message notes as we're going through it today. Also, if you want to give to the Lord this morning, we encourage you to do so. We make it very, very easy here at Elevate, and we encourage everyone to give. There's a scan code right here. You can just hold up your phone, boom, knock that one. And, and if you want to give to what God's doing here at Elevate Ministries, we encourage you to do so. We are a giving church right? We're a generous church. My wife and I have made a decision to be generous in the kingdom of God, and I know everybody that I know that does that, God is generous back to us in all of a whole host of ways in our lives. We encourage you to give here at Elevate Ministries this morning. Amen. I find it really interesting this morning, you know, with this, this theme, homeschool. Um, I'm actually the only person that's up here preaching this month that has actually been homeschooled. Actually homeschooled. Yes, 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 yes. I know, I know, I know. Come on, let it out now while you can. Go ahead. 
Let it out. I was actually homeschooled. Other than, other than a, a couple of college courses that I took, I was homeschooled for the entirety of my education. And um, before I move forward into this message, if I can just take a second, just a second, I'd like to address uh, the sort of stigma that comes with homeschooling. And a lot of you are already laughing and you already know what I'm talking about. But I would like to address the stigma that comes with the idea of homeschooling. And if you don't know what it is, well, there are some people that, uh, that, that think that just because someone's homeschooled that somehow this means that they have a greater potential of being kind of weird or awkward or socially inept or something. Um, I, I just want to take a moment right now to kind of put those people in their place. I'd like, to set the re- I'd like to set the record straight. I really want to put that stigma to rest this morning. Uh, I've been the subject over the years of, I mean, countless, countless homeschool jokes uh, and uh, about being weird and strange just because I'm homeschooled or whatever. And, you know, not only are those kinds of, those kinds of things hurtful statements, um, but they're really unbeneficial to those of us that, that were actually homeschooled. But I can say with absolute certainty that those kind of comments are 100% true. Yeah, they're true. Come on, let's, let's, let's not kid ourselves this morning. No, everybody thought I was going to... No, no, homeschoolers have a tendency of being super weird, super awkward. And I can say that. I was homeschooled. I, I know exactly how it goes. Yes, that's what happens. You know, I, I grew up in, uh, I grew up homeschooled, as I said, back in Pennsylvania. And uh, in PA, where I was from, there's a lot of farmland, a lot of people homeschooled their kids. But we tried to make it seem a little bit normal and still a little bit social. You know, so what they would do is they'd put together these homeschool co-ops. And every other week, you know, you'd get together with your senior class, right? You get together, so it kind of helps us learn some social skills, right? So every, every two weeks, you know, we'd get together with our senior class and, you know, anyway, whatever. We had this one kid. And, uh, you know, you, know you, you talk about homeschoolers having the tendency of being a little bit weird and strange. We had a kid that decided in the middle of the school here that every single day he was going to wear a trench coat. Yes, a trench coat. Okay, yes, exactly. And remember, this kid was a high school graduate. He's graduating high, this is his senior year of high school. And he decided everywhere that he goes, he's gonna wear a trench coat. The only thing that made it worse was that he made the trench coat out of duct tape. He made the trench coat out of duct tape. And every two weeks we'd come together and that trench coat was just a little bit longer, right? Just a little bit longer. He would keep adding to it and the next day you'd come in and it would have all these pockets. Look at these pockets where I can put my pens. And then he would, and he would put like pockets on the inside. So you pockets on the inside, pockets on the outside. I'm so cool and so interesting with my duct tape trench coat. And then after the duct tape trench coat was made, the next time we saw him, he had duct tape all over his shoes and he was making, and he had made shoelaces out of duct tape. And then he had a duct tape wallet. This kid was a high school graduate yes so all the jokes talking about homeschoolers that they have the potential of being a little bit weird you're absolutely right the potential is there are all homeschoolers weird no you may look at me right now and you might think but Brent how did you escape how did you escape the awkward and strangeness that goes so hand in hand in hand with homeschooling because we can see very clearly that not only are you not socially inept but on the contrary you're a picture perfect example of class and culture and you're right no i'm just kidding no i'll tell you why i'm going to tell you why and this is absolutely serious i have parents wonderful parents Christian parents, pastors actually, back in Pennsylvania. And my parents, although they removed me from the social atmosphere of public school, they planted me in a much more beneficial social atmosphere and that is the house of God. They planted me within the house of God. And if you're, t- you're here today and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm homeschooling my kids. Does that mean my kids are gonna turn out super weird and socially deformed? And of course not. It doesn't mean that at all. Just keep them planted in the house of God and they'll be just fine. They'll be just fine. Are you with me today? Come on. Amen. So you can make as many homeschool jokes about me as you want. I do not care. Believe me, I hear them all the time in our office from Pastor Drew. I hear them from from Luke. I hear them from all these guys. The whole worship team almost. Not really. Most of them are really cool people. Anyway, so our theme this month is homeschool. And it's such an important theme. Anything that benefits us in the issues regarding the home is something that Elevate Ministries cares so passionately about. Right? We care so passionately about your your marriage. 
We care so passionately about your relationship with your kids. We care so passionately about your well-being. We care about you here at Elevate Ministries. We believe, it's one of our values, better is better than best. Better is better than best. We can never stop improving on our homes, improving in our lives with all of the issues regarding the home. And that's why this theme is such a tremendous tool because it aims to improve on all of the things that make your home a home, amen? Amen. You know, in the Bible, God talks about the home in five different categories. The Bible talks about the, the, the home in five different categories. I kind of searched this out, and I could find five. And the first one that God talks about, the first category that God talks about for the home is heaven. Heaven is a home. Heaven is where God dwells. Heaven is where we will dwell with him one day. It is our home. We are here temporarily, but one day we will be with him in our home in heaven. Heaven is the first category. The second, the second category of home is your land. Your land. What does that mean? It means your nation, your state, your city, the place that you live, the land in which you live in, the land in whose laws you abide by and whose ideals you live by. It is your land. It is your home. The third category is the house of God, where we are right now. We're talking about the church, your church family. It's where you worship. It's where you better yourself. It's where you work hard to encourage those around you. We're, we are the family of God. The house of God is the third category. The fourth category is your home, your actual home. It's the place where you live. It's the place where you sleep. It's the place where you raise your family. It's the place where the most intimate parts of your life take place. It's your home. And the final category of the home that God talks about in the Bible is yourself. Yourself. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body, your physical body is a home. It is a home. The Bible talks about yourself as a home. Now, of the five categories, there's only one of those that's perfect. There's only one of those that's perfect, and it'll, it'll always be perfect, and that's obviously heaven. Heaven is perfect. It has, in heaven, there's perfect peace. There's perfect joy. There's perfect unity. There's no quarreling. There's no fighting. There's no jealousy. There's encouragement. There's love. And most importantly, God dwells there. God dwells there. And as Christians, it's our responsibility to make all of the other categories look as much like heaven as we possibly can. Are you with me today? Is everybody here? It's our, it's our responsibility to make all of the other categories of the home look as much like heaven as we can. That's where the phrase heaven on earth comes from. That's where it comes from. So the issues of the home don't only pertain to your house where your family lives, it also pertains to all of the categories that God has defined as your home. Right? Does that make sense? Are you with me today? Is everybody, is everybody alive? I know I'm not talking about making fun of homeschoolers anymore, but let's, we're in this together this morning. We're jumping into it. Amen. We want all of the categories of the home to take on the same spirit of love, comfort, and dominion that can be found in heaven, right? It can be found in heaven. And for that reason, the title of this message this morning is, What's Your Flippin' Problem? Turn to someone near you today and say, What's Your Flippin' Problem? And give it, give it a, a little bit of extra F in there. Give it some, some extra F. What is your flipping problem? What's your flipping problem? problem is the title of this message this morning. You know, as we strive this month to improve on the categories of the home, we have to recognize that in order to add all of the values and add all of the disciplines that we're hearing about this month from our pastors, it means that there are also things within our home that have to be removed. How many know that only so much can fit in a home? In order for us to add all the values and the disciplines from the word of God that our pastors have been teaching us in, in regards to our home, there are a lot of things in our home that have to be removed. You know, one of the greatest movie quotes of all time, one of the greatest, most well-known, every single person in this, in this place knows this movie quote. And it came from a movie that was released in 1932 called The Western Code. The Western Code. And you're gonna hear this and you're gonna be like, oh, I didn't know that that actually came from something. And it was the movie quote that said, this town ain't big enough for the two of us, right? 
This town ain't big enough for the two of us. It came from a movie called The Western Code in 1932. And once that quote is spoken, you don't even need to see the movie. You know what happens, right? The, the guy says, this town ain't big enough for the, for the two of us. What happens? What happens? The fight begins, right? The fight starts to take place. He's like, this town ain't big enough. And all of a sudden, pew, 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 Right? You've seen old westerns, right? It's a lot of like really bad, like, you know, special effects and really bad, like, noises and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, but the thing is this when you gave your life to Christ, when I gave my life to Christ, God laid claim to your soul and he laid claim to your life and he made that statement to the enemy of your soul. He looked at him and he said, this town is not big enough for the two of us. That's what he said. And so now, guess what happens? Now that God has made that statement on your behalf in your life since you gave your life to him, what happens? The fight has now begun. The fight has now begun, and it's the fight for your land, it's the fight for the house of God, it's the fight for your home, and it's the fight for yourself. It's a fight for the home, and it has begun. If you haven't figured it out yet, there is a monumental battle for every excuse me, for every one of the categories that God has defined as part of your home. And the battle for the home in all of its categories is fought simply by removing what doesn't belong and replacing it with the disciplines, values, and teachings from the word of God. If you want to know how to fix our nation, if you want to know how to fix our state, if you want to know how to fix your home, if you want to know how to take care of the house of God, if you want to know how to fix the issues within yourself, the only way, the only way, someone say the only way, the only way is by removing what does not belong and replacing it with the disciplines and the values and the teachings of the word of God. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Amen. So we're going to dive into this today. I'm very excited about this message. I'm very excited about what God is going to do in this place this morning. But let's start by praying. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your, your presence in this place. God, I thank you for our time of worship. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for, uh, Lord that we can meet together, Lord, and that we can, we can lift you high. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the message. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to all of our lives, Lord, that you would reveal things to us, Lord, uh, Lord, ways that we can improve our home, and we thank you for it. Thank you for this theme. God, I thank you, Lord. That is such, a, such an amazing and useful theme, Lord. I thank you for it. You, Lord, I pray that you would speak to every one of us in this place this morning. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. All right. I want to dive into a story in the New Testament with you this morning. In the book of John, chapter 2. You know, most stories about Jesus in the New Testament... Most of the stories, they're found in, you know, maybe one of the Gospels, maybe two of the Gospels, you know, but there are some stories. Every now and again, you'll come across a story that's found in all four Gospels, all four Gospels, and I love when that happens, because when that happens, it means when you're searching out the story and you're trying to learn about what actually took place, you have four separate accounts from four separate people, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each count, account has a little bit in it that the others don't have. So you're able to get a very well-rounded view of what actually took place in the story, and this is one of those stories today. This is one of those stories. Let's read it together. It says this. It says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. It says, in the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at the tables exchanging money. And so he made a whip out of cords, and he drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle, and he scattered the coins of the money changers, and he overturned the tables, he flipped them over, and he said, what's your flipping problem? No, he didn't say that. He didn't, he didn't say that. No, he didn't say that. No, but what he did say, he said, get these things out of here. Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. It's a crazy story. Kind of a wild story. And it, you might be hearing the story, and you might have read the story before, and you might think, what's the big deal? People have got to make a living right? These people are just trying to sell some stuff. They're just trying to make some money to take care of their families, take care of their homes, right? But there's a really good reason for Jesus to be so upset. And he was upset, right? Jesus was upset. He goes into the, he goes into the temple and he sees all this stuff going on, the buying and selling in the temple courts. And the reason that Jesus was upset was this. The temple back in the day was used for two things. It was used for wor worship 
and it was used for sacrifice, for the sacrifice for sins. Now, what God, the way God set up sacrifice is that you would provide a sacrifice, and it came in the form of an animal or a bird, depending on what the sin was, and there was a whole list and the whole way that they, that they went about it back then. But you would provide a sacrifice because it wasn't just a sacrifice to cover your sins. It was supposed to be a sacrifice from what you have in order to make the sacrifice for your sins. So when Jesus goes in and he sees all these people, just they're just like, oh, you need a sacrifice? Oh, here, here, buy one of these goats or oh, buy one of these sheep, buy one of these doves. And it's just, it just was just kind of like this, oh, it's not a big deal. And it really took away the heart of what sacrifice was all about. So when Jesus saw this, it upset him. He said, this does not belong in the house of God. This doesn't, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way it works. Let me tell you, Jesus knew how to fight the battle for the home. Jesus knew how to fight the battle for the home. People so often, people so often think of Jesus as this, you know, they, they think of him as this like kind of this, this reverent, slow moving kind of robot savior, right? That just kind of wafts through the streets with his hands either like this or like this. And everywhere that he goes, just the, just the brushing by of the wind off of, his, off of his gently flowing robe, people are healed and lepers are healed and people come back to life and he just wafts through the streets. This paints a very, very different picture of Jesus, amen? This, this paints a very different picture of who Jesus is. This tells the story of an angry, pissed off Jesus, right? Right? This, this tells a very different story. Uh, it was a Jesus who felt that the best course of action was to make a whip out of some ropes and start swinging. Right? He just made a whip out of some ropes and started swinging. Jesus could throw down. Jesus could throw down. This guy knew how to clear the temple. You know, and there's something that is so profound and so valuable that we can understand about Jesus' approach here. Because when you read this story in the accounts in the books of Mark and Luke, it says that when Jesus did this, when he went into this temple, and he made, a, he made a whip, and he started driving out the cattle, and he, started, and he started flipping over tables, and he's kicking chickens, and he's punching doves, and he's throwing money across the room. I mean, this would have been a scene, man. I wish I could have, I wish I could have been a part of it. And I want to do this, don't you? Don't you want to just like walk into some place, start flipping tables, and be like, yeah! It'd be amazing. But as soon as Jesus did this, it says in the books of Mark and Luke, it says that when Jesus did this, the Pharisees, at that moment, that was the moment that they decided to come up with a way to kill him. It was at that moment. They started plotting on how to kill Jesus. What does that tell you? It tells you that the fight for the home is the fight of your life. The fight for the home is the fight of your life. And I'm talking about the fight for your land, the fight for your church, the fight for your house, and the fight for yourself is the fight of your life. Are you with me today, Elevate? The fight for the home is the fight of your life. You know, in this story, there are two things. There are two things that Jesus laid his hands on. And I want to talk about those things with you today. I, want to, I, I think there's a lot that we can draw from this if we examine those things together this morning. And so that's what we're going to do. Are you ready? The first thing that Jesus laid his hands on was a whip. Someone say whip. Say it like whip. I think that's why it's spelled that way, because you're just trying to make it sound like what it does. When I was a kid, I remember I was on vacation with my family, and there was some gift store, and I saw in this gift store was this leather whip, and I was like, oh, that just looks so awesome, man. You hold, you hold a whip. Have you ever, anybody ever held a whip in your hand? You held a whip, boy, just, you just feel like you've got power. You just feel like, oh, man, someone's going to die. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, you're just holding that, and, and you're swinging around, and it's just amazing. What an amazing feeling. A whip is a weapon. It's a weapon, but it's a very specific weapon. A whip is a weapon that's used to drive away what doesn't belong. That's what a whip is, is for. That's what it was designed for, to drive away what doesn't belong. Now, in the book of John chapter 1, we know that the, that the scripture refers to Jesus himself as the word of God, right? We know that the, the word talks about Jesus being the word of God. And so what this becomes, this story, what this becomes is a perfect visual of what happens when the word of God is unleashed in the home. When the word of God is unleashed in the home. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living 
and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When you employ the word of God within your home, you are effectively wielding the weapon of the word of God in your home. It is a weapon. The word of God does many, many things, and it does them all well. It does many, many things, and in this case specifically, the word of God is a remover. It is a remover, or it is a force to drive out what doesn't belong within your home in all of its categories. Just like those old, you know, those old cowboys on their horse or whatever, and they're, they're driving cattle, like cattle drives, right? And they're driving these cattle through the plains and from one place to another. They're driving them out from where they don't belong to put them in the place where they do belong. I love the term driving out because by definition, the one who is doing the driving is the one who possesses the control. The one who's doing the driving is the one who possesses the control. And by utilizing the word of God to drive out, you're simultaneously asking the word of God to take control. You're asking the word of God to take control. And by doing this, you're effectively surrendering your home to God. You're surrendering your home to God. I remember when I was, I was very young, and I remember my mom, she, my mom was a homemaker. She was a great homemaker. She was amazing. It well, is amazing. My mom's not dead. I don't know why I'm saying was, you know, but my mom's a great homemaker. Wonderful, wonderful woman. My dad is a pastor and he would work. He was working, you know, and he would come home at night. And my mom would have this big, beautiful meal, you know, and it was just, it was just wonderful. It was, it was wonderful. And my mom would make this amazing food. We'd all sit down to dinner. We'd eat. It would be lovely. And then uh, when the food was consumed uh, and, and, the, and the dinner was over, my dad would get up and he'd walk over, he'd kiss my mom, thank her for the meal, and this is all the time, my dad would kiss my mom, thank her for the meal, and my mom and dad would get up and they'd walk over into the family room, and it was the job of me and my, brothers and si my brother and sisters to clean up, okay, uh, uh, which is exactly what I'm going to do when my kids, anyway, um, it was the job of the kids to clean up. It was our job to clean up. Now, back in the day, we didn't have a dishwasher. We, I say back in the day. I'm not even that old. But uh, back in the day, we didn't have a dishwasher. Uh, and so we did it all by hand. Okay, so, so we would always fight over who gets to do the, the, actually wash the dishes. But what we were really fighting over was who got to dry the dishes. Because how many know that towel? Right? Oh, come on. And I remember my brother, because he was always bigger than me and always faster than me and always stronger than me, my brother always, often, often got to be the one to do the drying. So I'd be washing the dishes, and then all, all of a sudden I'd look over and I'd see him like, Right? He's just kind of winding it up. And I'm just like, no, no, Ryan, no, don't do this, Ryan. And all of a sudden he'd start snapping, right? Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And I'm just like, ah, ah. And I'd be running through the house and he's chasing me around, driving me all over the place because it was a weapon. It was a weapon, right? It was a weapon. The word of God is a powerful weapon. It's, in the, it's the same thing. It's a weapon. God is waiting for you to make use of what it says, the, what the word of God says, to drive out what doesn't belong in the home, in your land, and in your house, and in your home, and in yourself. It's all the same thing. Utilize the weapon of the word of God in your home. When was the last time that you stood over the bedside of your kids as they slept, and you quoted scripture over? Over them. Have you ever done that? I've done that. And it's an it's a unbelievably powerful experience. Scriptures like Deuteronomy 31.6 that says you will be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of the world. For the Lord your God, he goes with you and he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. Or scriptures like Romans 12.2 where it says you'll not conform to the pattern of this world but you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You just speak scriptures over your kids. Speaking of script, speak them right over your kids. Do you know, do you know how powerful that is? Do you know how powerful your words are? Do you know how powerful the word of God is? It's a powerful, powerful thing. When was the last time that you looked across this great land of ours, this nation, and boy, does it look like, like it's in a state right now, right? It's, it's, it's in a crazy state. But when was the last time that you looked across this nation and you quoted scriptures like Colossians 1, 13, where it says that God has delivered us from the power of darkness and he conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Speak scripture over, the, over your city. Speak scripture over this amazing state of California. I love this state. I 
love living here. I love the people here. And I believe God is going to do something in this state. Do you agree? Speak scripture over your state. Speak scripture over your nation. A nation that was founded on the principles found in the word of God. And we're going to go back to those principles again. I believe that. Amen. When was the last time that you spoke to yourself? When was the last time that you spoke scripture over yourself? Scriptures like 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Nope. He's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Or the one that says, God's given me the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. When, it, when was the last time that you spoke scripture over yourself? Amen. The word of God is a weapon. It is a weapon and it will drive out fear. It will drive out any demonic force doing anything in your life and it will steer you away from very stupid decisions. Amazing. The word of God is a weapon. The word of God is a whip. It is a remover. The whip is the first thing that Jesus laid his hands on. The second thing that Jesus laid his hands on was a table. It was a table. Someone say table. It was a table, well, many tables, but we're gonna, he was talking about, yeah, I'm talking about a table. Jesus laid his hands on a table. A table is something that brings focus and prominence to whatever sits on top of it. That's what a table is, and that's what a table does. Listen, I want to be clear, and I want to make this perfectly understandable. Jesus did not go into the temple and clear the tables. Jesus did not go into the temple and clear the tables. He flipped them. He flipped them. And there is unbelievable significance to this. He flipped the tables. This is a valuable thing for us to understand. You can remove something from your house, but unless you remove the pedestal that was placed there to bring prominence to it, it will only find itself right back up where it doesn't belong. Right? You can remove something from your house, but unless you remove the table or the platform that, is sit, that it is sitting on, it's only going to find its way back to the place where it doesn't belong. That's why Jesus flipped the tables. He didn't just clear the tables. In this story, if Jesus had gone through and he had you know, thrown away all the cages full of doves and scattered the money and, and, and you know, wrecked a bunch of stuff but left the tables where they are, what would have happened? Someone would have gone around and gathered the money, gathered up the cages, gathered up the doves, put them back in the cages, grabbed everything and put it back on the tables, right? That's exactly what he did. But Jesus was not okay with the tables remaining because Jesus said, not even a hint, right? How many remember that, that message from our pastor? Not even a hint. I don't want even a hint of what doesn't belong in the house of God. Jesus said, not even a hint. He flipped the tables rather than just clear them. Why? Because the tables themselves were a representation of a mindset and a culture that allowed what doesn't belong in the house of God to be held in a place of prominence. It was a mindset and a culture. Jesus was saying, I'm not just overturning a table. It's not just a table. This is a mindset. This is, this is being okay with something that God is not okay with. I'm flipping it over. I'm done with this. This is not going to stay in the house of God. And it's extremely powerful. It's extremely powerful. If someone, or excuse me, if something is upheld within the home, then you're keeping it in a place where you are constantly seeing it. If something is held in a place of prominence in your home, you're always seeing it, and you'll never not see it because it's held in a place of prominence. More than that, your family is always seeing it. And even more than that, everyone that comes into contact with your home will see it. Everyone that comes into contact with your home will see it. When Jesus is flipping tables, he's saying, don't elevate things in the home that have no business being in high places in your home. That's what Jesus is saying. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses four and five, it says, for the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal or worldly, but they are mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every what? High thing. Well, you said that with a lot of, uh, let's try that again. <laughs> casting down arguments and every... High thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Amen. If it doesn't exalt the Lord and it doesn't edify those who dwell within, then it doesn't belong in the home. Come on, is anybody here today? If it doesn't exalt the Lord and it doesn't edify those who dwell within, it doesn't belong in the home. The tables have to be flipped. They have to be flipped. But because God gave us dominion in our homes, he gave us dominion in our homes, it means that we can't just kind of be here and say, oh, that's so true. 
oh yes, boy, we've all got things that we just need to work on in our houses. Yep, oh boy, I've got things that just are no good. They're no good. No, it means that we can't just talk the talk, right? We have to be people that walk the walk. We got people that are, we got to be people that are willing to flip some tables. How many would say, I'm willing to flip some tables? I'm willing to flip some tables. There's three people that, there's three people that answered that. Am I not getting through to anybody this morning? We got to start flipping some tables, people. Amen. We got to start flipping some tables. We spend, we spend way too much time talking about how much we hate certain issues within our homes, but we don't take the simple steps that Christ did and flip those tables, removing the issues that he himself has given you and I power over. He's given you power in your house. He's given you power in in your home in all of its categories. And even though you are one person, there is power. He has given you power in your nation. He has given you power in your land. Know that today. And how has he given you power? He's given you power because he's given you the weapon of his word. He has given you power. Look, Jesus flipped the tables over. He didn't flip them off. Think about that for a second. Jesus walked the walk, he didn't talk the talk. He flipped the tables over, he didn't flip them off. He didn't just walk through and be like, you do not belong here, and you do not belong here, and that's no good in here, me, 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 me. No, he went in there and said, I'm not handling this, you're out of here, you're out of here, and he flipped the tables over. He flipped them over, he did not flip them off. Flipping tables means you gotta get your hands a little bit dirty. You gotta get your hands a bit dirty. It's part of doing that, it's part of flipping tables. I remember when I was a kid, my dad always was really, he, my dad would not allow any weeds in his flower beds. He didn't allow any weeds on his property. My dad would go around and he'd pull weeds and he would do it all the time. He was always in the flower beds pulling weeds. And my dad told me, he would always say, look, if you go to that weed right there and you just grab the top of it and pinch it off and grab it and throw it to the side, it looks good. It looks great. Yeah, the, the weed's gone, kind of, but you didn't remove the root. You didn't remove the table that the weed was sitting on. You didn't remove what held the weed in a place of prominence. And so my dad would tell me, you gotta get down, and you gotta get underneath it. You gotta get your hands dirty. You gotta reach underneath it. You gotta pull that out by the root. Come on, is anybody here today? He's got, you gotta pull it out by the root. You gotta get it under it and flip it over. This does not belong in my home. This does not belong in my house. This does not belong in my land. It doesn't belong in myself. Amen. You know, tables are interesting because they come in all different styles, all different sizes. There's tons of different tables. I, I do a little bit of woodworking on the side. Uh, it started off as kind of fun, and then I started selling tables, which is, you know, also kind of fun. Um, but I started kind of selling tables, and you, you find out very quickly that there are just tons of kinds of tables. There's tables everywhere. You don't even recognize how many tables you have in your house. I mean, you got, you walk into your house, and you got what? You got an entry table. You walk into the other room, and there's a coffee table. Into another room, and there's a dining table, or maybe a kitchen table. <gasps> Tables everywhere. Your countertops are a sort of table. You've got, you've got the, the end tables on the end, of your, on the end of your sofas. It's a table. Your nightstand on the side of your bed. It's a type of table. There are so many different tables of all different kinds and all different sizes. There's a table out there for anything that you want to display. Anything you want to display, there's a table for it. Tables are awesome, but you have, excuse me, but, you, but have you ever had that table in your house you know, everyone's got one. I'm going to say this and you're all going to be like, oh yeah. You know, you have a table in your house. Everyone's got one. There's a table somewhere that all it is is that it sits there and it just accumulates junk. Right? Come on, we've all got one. It's a table that's in your house and it was put there with all the best intentions. All the best intentions and it sits there and it's such a beautiful table. It's so lovely. I bought it because it was so nice and I just could not have, I couldn't not have it in my life. But then there's nothing that goes on except a bunch of junk. Every time you walk in your house, oh, you throw that there. And then you walk around your house, oh, pick, oh, throw it there. And everything just, it just piles up piles and piles of your junk. It never gets used for anything useful because it's always covered with your crap. Now, it would, it would amaze you to know, it would amaze you to know, and this amazes me, that all of the junk, all of it, that's sitting on top of these tables in our homes, all of this junk, there's someone calling me right now, all of the junk that's sitting on top of these tables, it wouldn't be there if the table wasn't there. Right? 
It, wouldn't, it would not exist if the table wasn't there. It's such a novel thought. The tables in your life that may need to be flipped, they could look like a variety of different things. They could look like a variety of different things. If you're someone that you struggle with fear, you struggle with anxiety, it's something that, that, that gets you, and you're seeing all the stuff that's going on in our nation, in our world, wars and rumors of wars and, and all kinds of things, and all these things are going on, and it's causing fear and anguish within you. Uh, you know, maybe that the table that needs to be flipped in your home is called the news. The news. If you didn't know this, <laughs> there is no news network that's out there to make you feel good about what's going on in this world. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, people. So maybe you would say, you know what, the news. I'm watching way too much of this stuff, and it's really, really starting to mess me up. And that needs to be flipped. It's a table that needs to be flipped. If you're a young person or not a young person and you're, and you're just thinking, man, my life's not going anywhere. I just don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know wh where I'm going. I just don't have purpose. I don't, I don't know what to do. I have, I have no vision for my future. But then you sit in your house and you play video games for 10, 10 hours a day. That's a table that might need to be flipped in your life. That's a table that might need to be flipped in your life. And there's nothing wrong with video games. There's nothing wrong with the news. But it might be a table that needs to be flipped. There might be a table that needs to be messed with a little bit to clear some junk out of your life. You know, your table might look a lot like this. Your table might look a lot like this. You know, it was interesting. About a month ago, I was at my house. And, uh, you know, my wife, she's not here today. But my wife... My wife is, feels very strongly about, you know, that we spend time with our kids or do our, do our best to spend time with our kids. But it ends up being a little bit hard. I work a full-time job. My wife, she, whew, my wife has a full-time business. And so she works from home and she's working all day. And so really it comes down to the evenings, right? So the evenings is the time that we're supposed to spend with our kids. And it was about a month ago we were sitting on the couch. We were sitting on the couch and, and my wife looked over and I was on my phone you know, and she's over there and she's on her phone and she's looking at me and she's looking back at herself. She's looking at me and she just kind of looked at me. She's like, what the heck is wrong with us? I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? We're just sitting here having a great time with our family. She's like, D -d -d we're not spending any time with our kids. They're sitting here watching a movie and we're sitting here on these other screens. What is wrong with us? This is not the way it's supposed to be. And my wife, she just kind of, and you know, it ticked me off. I was like, how dare you? <laughs> no, but the Holy Spirit works inside of us. Very quickly, I, I kind of realized, you know what? Oh my God, you're, so, you're totally right. My wife's like, shouldn't there be a time of day that we should like put the phones down? Yeah. My God, there should. There's nothing wrong with a phone. Phones are great. We use them all the time. But sometimes your phone needs to be flipped. Sometimes it's a table that needs to be flipped in your life. We can't sit back and wait for God to clean our home for us. Right? We can't sit back and wait for God to clean. In fact, if I can, can I speak to the, to the men today, man to man? Can I do that? Can I do that? If I can speak to the men today, God's not going to take care of your business for you. God's not going to take care of it for you. And I say this, I say this with all the respect. God's not going to take care of your business for you. And you might say, well, God's the head of my home. God's the head of my home. I believe that. I follow him in every word that he says. And he makes the decisions. And I would just like to say to you very politely today, no, you do. You do. You make the decisions. And you might say, well, how can you say that? Aren't we supposed to put God first in our home? Isn't he supposed to be the head of our home? Yes, of course that's true. But your home and all that's in it doesn't obey God. You do. God has given you leadership over your home and when you do then everything that God has placed under your leadership will follow your example come on man are you, are you with me today you are the head of your house God's given you dominion over your house and it's going to do what you decide it's going to do it puts it on us gentlemen it puts it on us amen amen Joshua 24 15 it says but if you refuse to serve the Lord then choose today whom you will serve but as for me and my house, what does it say? Come on. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. My house, my home, we will serve the Lord. Men, this world would say that your God-given masculinity is toxic and it's hurtful, but nothing could be further from the truth. God has made you a man. 
He's made you into a man to lead the home and to be good leaders, good leaders. Leaders, leaders that say things like this, are you ready? Are you guys ready? Here we go. Leaders that say things like this, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're gonna choose faith over fear. As for me and my house, we will exercise self-control and I will love and I will respect my wife and my children. As for me and my house, we will go to church. We will not choose offense over priority. We will not choose what we feel over who we are. I will not stand by and watch my kids make bad decisions. I will not distance myself while my marriage goes down the drain. I will not keep my mouth shut while my community goes to hell. I'm tired of seeing dysfunction in my state. I'm, I'm tired of accepting the status quo. I am tired of seeing empty seats in my church. But give me something to do and I'll do it. Give me a way to serve and I'll do it. Tell me what is needed and I will give it. Point me to the enemy and I will cast him out. God has given me the authority to do the impossible. As for me and my house. We're gonna serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. The fight for your home is the fight of your life. People, it's time for us to start flipping tables. It's time for us to start flipping tables this morning. The battle for your home in all the categories that God has defined, it's raging more than it ever has. We as the body of Christ need to do, do what Jesus did and clean house. We gotta clean house. We can't, we can't fill up our home with wisdom and values that our pastors have been speaking about when our house is full of junk that doesn't belong in a place of prominence. It doesn't belong. We as the body of, uh, of Christ need to clean house. So what, what is your flipping problem? What is your flipping problem? Ask yourself that, what is your flipping problem? What is it in your house that needs to be flipped? What is the table that is holding up something into a place of prominence where it doesn't belong and it needs to be flipped? It needs to be flipped. You know, one of the most important categories of the home is the house of God, where we are right now. How many of you love the house of God? I love, I so love the house of God. I love our church. Let me tell you, Eddie Angel couldn't have said it better. There is something here. There's something special here. There's something so special here. You look around and you see all of your church family and we're all in the same boat. We're all in this, none of us are better than anyone else. We're all in this together, together, together. God wants to do the impossible through Elevate Ministries, and it's so important. It's so important that we don't follow anything that, do, uh, that we don't allow anything that doesn't belong in the house of God to remain, remain in a place of prominence. God, help us. Come on. God, help us. Help us identify the things that are being elevated to places they don't belong. God, check me. Check me that my actions and my words edify my fellow believers. Create in me, what does David say in the book of Psalms? Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. God, help us to diffuse arguments and help us to encourage each other. Help us to encourage each other. Help us, stop do, uh, help us put a stop to damaging conversations that don't benefit the kingdom of God. Don't say that about my brother in Christ. Don't say that about my sister in Christ. Don't say that, it's not true. Don't talk like that about my fellow believer. Don't say that about my pastor, it's not true. Don't say that about the person that God's put in leadership over us in the church. Don't say that, it's not true. I will not have that, I will not hear that. I will not have that. Don't say that. Don't act like that in here. That, beha that behavior has no place in the kingdom of God. Come on. Don't say that about my worship leader. He's a good guy considering he was homeschooled. No, I'm gonna speak life into you, my friend. I'm gonna speak life into you. I'm gonna speak the word of God into your home. I'm going to stand beside you. I'm going to protect you. I'm done trying to find a reason to be offended. I'm done trying, and, uh, trying to find a reason to be offended. I'm done assuming that your intentions were bad. I'm, I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt every time. I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna pave the road ahead with forgiveness. God, help us. Help us help each other to walk in love. Somebody look at the person next to you and say, what is your flipping problem? What is your flipping problem? Amen. Amen, we're gonna pray right now in this place.
And I wonder, can we just all keep our heads up and look around? I mean, God, look around at these beautiful people here. Maybe look at someone around you and say, God, you are beautiful. Man, beautiful people, beautiful, amazing, amazing. Amen. How many of you would say, look, I know, I know there's something being held in a place of prominence in my home. I know there is, and it shouldn't be there. How many would lift a hand and say, I know it's true. I know it's true. If we're honest, every single hand in this place should be up in the air. Because there's something within your house. There's something within yourself. There's something within your land that's got to be flipped. There's something in the house of God. It's not perfect. But man, we are in this together, together, aren't we? What a beautiful thing. God, I thank you, Lord, for all the beautiful people in here. Lord, and for all the people that have lifted their hand and identified the fact, Lord, that we've got things that need to be flipped. We've got tables, Lord, that are holding up things that just don't belong. And so, Lord, in this moment, Lord, we, we, are, we, are, we are employing the weapon of the word in our homes. Lord Jesus, we're going to speak, Lord, your word in our homes, in ourselves, Lord Jesus, in our nation, in the house of God. We want these places to be as much like heaven as we possibly can. Lord, I pray that you give us courage. Lord, I pray that you give us power. Give us wisdom, Lord Jesus. Lord, to flip the tables. Lord, to flip them over. Flip them over. Lord, help us to ask ourselves the question, what is my flipping problem today? What can I do to clean house to make my home more like heaven? Jesus, we love you in this place. We're so grateful to you. Lord, you are such a good God. You've done so many things in our life. And Lord, we are thankful. We, we are, we're nothing but thankful, Lord. I thank you for the house of God. Lord, I thank you for all these people, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for everyone that's gonna come into the house of God. They're gonna give their lives to Christ. We are gonna fill this place up multiple times on Sunday mornings, Lord, with people that need you, that our city, the people that that needs you in our state, the people that need you. I thank you, Lord, for Elevate Ministries. You are a good God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, isn't our God good this morning? So good. Amen. We want to thank you for being a part here at Elevate Ministries this morning. If you're here today and, and you want to know more about God, maybe you don't know much, or maybe you're, you're unchurched or you've never given your life to Christ, I I'm going to open it up to you today. Come and talk to me. I want to talk to you today. I want to hear from you today. If you're, if you're here and you would say, I want to give my life to Christ, is the best decision you could ever make. And I'll, I'm just saying, I'm here. If you want to talk, let's talk. We love you today. God bless you as you go from this place. Go out and have a great day. Have a great time. Come back again. We'll see you again very soon. God bless you.